Grace and peace to you, Monster. What a privilege it is to be, uh, to be here in front of you again. So many, not just familiar faces, but names that come along with the faces. Um, so many wonderful smiles that come along with the hellos. It's, it's always good to see you, whether here or out, outside of the church. Uh, we are going over Psalm 113. And believe it or not, Psalm 113, Psalm 114, 15, 16, 17, and 18, these are the nicknamed the Hallelujah Psalms. These, these are called the Hallelujah Psalms, or rather the Egyptian Halals. These were sung at the most important um, Hebrew feast, including Passover. And during this time, during the feast or the Passover, they would take time to reflect and remember God's redemption for his people and how he freed them from Egypt. What that means is Israel would use these psalms to call to remembrance the works of the Lord. Now, for us to, to do justice to the psalms, we, we have to keep a lot of things in context, right? Because it's, easy, it's very easy to become subjective, when reading through the Psalms, or to even come up with a private interpretation when looking at the Psalms. So we want to make sure that we keep it all in context that the, um, in which these Psalms were originally used, in which we believe and know that the Holy Spirit had given them. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to us, and he let us know that, guess what? He said, Pretty much the Old Testament, the prophets, and the Psalms all speak of him. So some way, somehow, even if we don't on the surface see it, these Psalms are all about Christ. Due to the fact that these Psalms are all about Christ, we will start off with the very first verse of the Psalm. And just a quick, uh, quick note. Hallelujah is the same for the most part universally in every language. Isn't that cool? Whether you are in China, South America, America, no matter what language you speak, hallelujah is for the most part, it is virtually never changed and universally understood. Our psalm starts off, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Remember, these, this psalm, beginning at 113 through 118, were used to reflect and to remember the work that God had been doing. So when we start off this psalm, the reason for praising the Lord, the reason where it says, praise, O ye servants, praise the name of the Lord, is because when I say the name of Jesus Christ, what are the first thoughts that come to mind? Right? Right? You see, believe it or not, we have our memory works in a very miraculous way. 
for those of you that are older like me or middle-aged like me, let me correct that, right? For those of you that are middle-aged like me, have you ever heard of a commercial jingle and, you was, and it took you right back to your childhood? Have you ever heard a song on the radio that maybe you don't listen to anymore, but somebody in the next car was playing it? And that song took you right back to you were like 15, 16, 17, maybe even 20 years old. So when you hear the name of Jesus Christ, what are some of the immediate thoughts that come to mind? More than likely on surface level, when you hear the name of Jesus Christ, you think of just some of the immediate things that he has just personally done for you. So you may think about, well, God has done this for me. Or you may have some appreciation, rather. Maybe you thank God that you were a cradle Christian, that from, even from as long as you can remember back from your childhood, you was a Christian. Or maybe you thank God that, you know what? God saved me late, but I'm still so very grateful. But the name of Jesus Christ is not just for me personally. It's for all of us here present. And the way our faith works, our faith does not simply work for us as individuals. But our faith has to work for us collectively, just like it did for Israel. That it's not good enough for God just to show grace and mercy to me personally. We need a unified testimony that grace and mercy has been distributed to us all collectively. That not only is my life getting better, but your life is getting better. Not only are miraculous things, not only is saving grace in my life, but the covenant that God has with us and our family, it goes to my children, my children's children, and look at God, it's even going to my friends. So what we want to remember is that God does not, first and foremost, he does not just deal with us on a singular level. He deals with us on a corporate level. Let's continue. Next verse. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now, how many of you would keep going after that? Oftentimes when we read scripture, we just skim over things and gloss over things. But believe it or not, this is a very important passage of Scripture because this passage of Scripture here includes a lot of your time. 
He says, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth, from this moment right now, forevermore. From the time that the sun rose this morning until the going down of the same, the Lord's name should be praised. How are you going to praise the Lord when you leave here today? How are you going to praise the Lord tomorrow morning before work? How are you going to praise the Lord on your way to work? How are you going to praise the Lord while you work? How are you going to praise the Lord when you get off from work? How are you going to praise the Lord on your way home from work? And even though you are tired from working all day, how are you going to praise the Lord once you get home until the time that you go to bed? You see, for many of you here, you may believe this is optional. I know some of you going, see, there he go again. I knew I shouldn't have came today. Jim wasn't going to be here. Wouldn't even known if I didn't show up. But the Lord's name is to be praised all the time. Whether we feel like it or not. Whether we're motivated to do it or not. You see, if we only served God when we felt like it. How much praise, how much glory would God actually get? Because I'll be the first one to be honest in this room. I don't always feel like praising the Lord. But I press through to praise him because he is worthy to be praised. When my mood is sour, when I'm feeling sad, when I'm when I'm feeling dejected, I press through because the Lord is worthy to be praised. Not just when I feel like praising God, not just when I feel like reading the scriptures, not just when I feel like following the Lord. But the Lord is so good. He is so worthy to be praised. He deserves my dedication and allegiance even when I don't feel like doing it. Even when my mood is sour. Now watch this. I'm sure the immediate reaction of this particular text right here is, God doesn't really want me to do that. God knows I'm busy. God knows that I have kids to worry about. God knows that knows the troubles that I have in my life. God knows that my boss is on my neck all the time. God knows that I'm just trying to, to provide for my family. And then excuse after excuse, God knows, God knows, God knows, God knows. Excuse after excuse. 
what about this? What if, if we turn that upside down? And what if we said, instead of God, instead of God Almighty interrupting my day, how about we flip that and we start to say, those other things interrupt my day with fellowship with God. You see, work should not interrupt the intimacy that we have with God. Work is a necessary thing for us. But children of God, you weren't made to work. You were made to love and to glorify God. Work is what we do to take care of our families. And work is good. Work is biblical, believe it or not. But a life dedicated for the sake of work is not what you were created to do. What you were created to do was to be in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? You see, sometimes we feel like we're in dead-end jobs, and we feel, oh, God, is this it? Is this all I am? Sometimes, similar to my wife, mothers who have to stay at home all day, they're like, man, is this all there is to life? Am I to just be a stay-at-home mom? Well, and again, we have to flip that. We have to have a holy remembrance of exactly what God is doing, that God himself sanctifies. When he is first, he sanctifies all the actions that we do that are dedicated to him. So now work becomes a ministry. Motherhood becomes a ministry now. Fatherhood becomes a ministry because we're doing it to the praise and glory of God. And while we're doing it, we're offering continual prayers to God. Think about it in this context. The angels in the book of Isaiah and the book of Revelation, they are constantly praying and singing, holy, 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 is Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. My question, when we're offering these small prayers, when we're offering these small prayers to fulfill the scripture that God, you know what? Teach me what it means to bless your name from this time forward and forevermore, from the time the sun rises up to the time that it goes down. Teach me what it means that you should be praised. Do you know what the biblical answer is? Believe it or not, the biblical answer is 
God's word and prayers. Now, before I back this up, I want to ask you this question. Would God command us things without empowering his church to complete it? So when God says that his name is to be praised from the beginning, from the beginning of the day to the time that the sun goes down, my question to you is, would God command us things, would God command us things without empowering his church to complete it? Or do we view God as someone who just randomly says things that he knows that we'll never be able to do? I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I kind of believe that God is very calculated. That God says everything with the purpose. And because he is sovereign and because he provides providential care, that when God asks his church to do something, he immediately gives it power to be able to accomplish what he asked it to do. Look at Psalm 1 and 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. You said you want more proof. Got you. Psalm 119 and 97. Oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all day long. It is my meditation all day long. My problems are not my meditation all day long. The challenges and difficulties that I face are not my meditation all day long. The things that I want and think I deserve out of life are not my meditation all day long. But, oh, God, your word is my meditation all day long. Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your, out of your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe the things written in it. Look at God's word to Joshua. God himself tells him, I don't want my words to depart out of your mouth. Never cease talking about them. Meditate on them day and night. And then watch this, that you may be able to observe the things written in it. You mean God blesses us through the meditation of his word all day long? God will bless his church from the praising of his holy name all day long? I don't know about you, but I'm in desperate need of God. And I'm not talking like surface level in desperate need of God. I'm talking, I need God just to function day to day. And I don't know about you, but 
And if this is you, then great. But I want to ask you this question. How desperate are you for Christ? And if you are desperate for Christ, is it just theoretical or are you so desperate for Christ? That you're like, you know what? I just don't live off bread alone. I live off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You see, oftentimes we fast from the wrong things. It's great to fast from food. But how many of us snack throughout the day? When scriptures ask us to fast, he's not telling us to do an intermittent fast from his word. Or to the glorifying of his name. Our God wants us to snack regularly. I got about 10 minutes. What other scriptures, and I'm going to move on quick from here. What other scriptures talk about this day and night praise to God or this perpetual memory of God all the time? When you go on YouTube, just rewind it at this part right here in case you don't have a pen to write it down. You have Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. You have Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. You have Hebrews chapter 13 and 15. You have Psalm 119, chapter 119, verse 104. You also have Psalm 139. Verses 17 through 18. And you also have 1 Chronicles 16 and 11. That's a lot of scriptures that tells us continually that our focus throughout the day, throughout our lives, needs to be on God. And why does God deserve this perpetual focus? Why do, why do we need to have this sort of remembrance of God throughout our day? I believe verse 4 and 5 gives us the reason. The Lord is high above all the nations. His glory is above the heavens. And then it says this. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells in the highest? Who is like our God? What better thing is there to think about and to focus on and to praise than our God? What is better than him? What better thought can you come up with is better than our Lord Jesus Christ? What feelings can you nurture that are better than being nurtured in Christ? Who is like our God? Who is like our God? Pagan gods and false gods can tell me that God loves me. Pagan and false gods can make me feel better about my sins. But it's 
it is only the one true God who can forgive me of my sins and then cleanse me of all unrighteousness. One true God. Who is like the God of Israel? Who is like our God, the Holy Trinity, that can take evil and violent people and then, as Christ says, teach them to love their enemies? Who is like Yahweh? that can take an adulterous generations, that can take an adulterous people, that can take people who commit adultery and then transform their hearts and make them faithful spouses and then make them faithful to himself. Who is like our God Yahweh? That in a country that professes 73% Christian and with over 80% of the population looking at pornography, that he can take those people, have them conquer that addiction, and then make them chaste people longing for only him. Who is like our God, Monster Church, that can take vengeful people and teach them not to return evil for evil, but contrary to give blessing? Who is like our Jesus who can take our sins and then cause us to die with him? And then sends us, who are unworthy, his Holy Spirit that causes us to walk in his commandments. Children of God, who is like our God that can do these things? No one is greater. Who is like our God that if we do tend to forget the words of Christ, the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance what Jesus Christ have said. Who was like our God that through the Holy Spirit energizes and enables his people to keep his commandments? Who was like our God? that wants his people to be intimate with himself, who not just wants to have a place in our heart, but desires for us all to be his temple. And if he requires us and wants us and desires for us to be his temple, then children of God, church is never ending. And all of the things that go on in church should always go on within us. We don't go to church. We take the church to work. 
We take the church to the grocery store. We take the church to the supermarket. We take the church on vacation. We take the church everywhere. And if that is true, the very things that go on in church, whether it's preaching, whether it's singing, whether it's glorifying God, whether it is praising the name of the Lord, if it goes on in this building, it should always be going on in you. From the time that you wake up, from the time that you prepare to go to sleep, I pray that you ask yourself the question, who is like our God? That he comes and wants to dwell in us and be among us. I'll say these two things and then I will close and I will call these fabulous singers back up. In the book of Ezekiel, it says this. I shall give you a new heart. And I shall put a new spirit in you. I shall take the heart of stone away from you. And I shall give you a new one. And then watch this. Because this is how all of this becomes possible. I shall put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my requirements and you will keep my commandments and do them. That's Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 and 27. Children of God, God will do it. He will bring to your remembrance because we know Israel kept forgetting. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. God will cause you to walk in his statutes. God will cause you to remember and praise his holy name from the time you wake up in the morning to the evening. God will cause you to say from this day forward, I will praise the name of the Lord. From this day forward, I will not simply go to church, but from this day forward, I will be the church. God will cause all of this in all of us, not just me, because God just does not deal with us in the singular fashion. But he will do that for all of us. Because we are his church. Amen.